0: Hello, and welcome to the Soundstage Audiophile Podcast. In this second season of the show, host Jordan Guth is joined by a new guest each episode who knows something about hi-fi that Jordan doesn't. And who knows, while he's learning about all of this, you might learn something too. So with no further ado, here's Jordan and this week's guest. Hi, everybody. I'm not Brent Butterworth, and I'm not Dennis Berger. I'm Doug Schneider, the voice on what we're now calling season one. Of the Soundstage Audiophile podcast that is all past. Dennis and Brent aren't on the podcast anymore. Brent let everybody know he's gone to work for The wire cutter, and it was a very amicable parting, but he just couldn't do the podcast anymore. But Dennis, he's still part of the podcast. Behind all this, he's producing it. He just didn't want to be upfront to everybody. So he said, Hey, be the producer. We're going to call this
1: season two and let's bring in Jordan Goof." Hey, everyone. Uh, my name is Jordan Guth. I'm relatively new to the hi-fi space in the sense of uh, learning about the, the technology and learning about the speakers and, and kind of the, the history and heritage behind hi-fi. Um, in the last, I'm going to say, 10 years, Doug? 10, 12 years? Pretty close to 10 years because
0: you're not that new to it because you've been part of our video team.
1: That's, yeah, that's exactly it. So um, I've been uh, working with Doug on the video team as part of the video team, uh, traveling all around the world and uh, meeting uh, very interesting characters throughout the hi-fi space uh, for close to a decade now, if not over a decade, um, all through which I, I've kind of been learning and being exposed to hi-fi and what hi-fi is and and all of that stuff. Um, over the last, I'm going to say like, year or so started kind of going into uh soundstage a little bit more with the video team and you uh, you you produced fully our
0: soundstage central update you've had um two yeah, that's and true. when people listen to this there's going to be a third
1: one online with Kathleen you produced that fully yeah. shot it produced it everything yeah that's absolutely right so uh, on the video team uh, I'm usually the man behind the cameras or at least one of them um for the soundstage central I'm not only behind the cameras, I'm also producing it, getting everything set up, uh, editing and delivering it. And which companies have you come on trips with us to? Oh, man. So I, I had a feeling you were going to ask this and I started trying to write them down and I, I lost track. Um, I definitely, I, I believe the first one was Martin Logan. So Martin Logan Anthem um, right. in, in Toronto. Uh, because In Toronto. Yep, yep. Martin Logan panel speakers, et cetera, all manufactured in Toronto.
0: A lot of people don't know that, but they are made there in the same yeah. factory that makes Paradigm. And a massive speakers. warehouse. Yeah, massive warehouse in there. Lots of production, and they make Anthem Electronics there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, those were, those were like an interesting first look into Hi-Fi, because it's the electrostatic speakers. Yep, electrostatic. Yeah, very cool, like the thin sheet of uh, of material, so um, those were definitely, I think, the the first companies. Um, since then, it's been everywhere from Montreal with Sim Audio and, and Totem, uh, all the way through the states. Uh, I think you brought us on a trip to the CES a few years back. So yeah, yeah. Did you come uh, to
0: Europe? Did you come to Europe? Because you're coming oh, in yeah. March with us.
1: Yeah, yeah. We went to Europe. We went. Um, we did a couple trips to England. I think. Yeah. Um, you were there scene, at Kef. You were there at Kef yeah, when we shot with Johan Korg and Jack Oakley. Oh, oh man, uh, Johan, amazing guy and legend, uh, legend, ex- absolutely. And uh, Jack, who is a mad scientist, uh, super helpful, super patient with me because I was asking a lot of uh, a lot of questions of him, and he was very helpful in answering them. And I mean, to this day, I think the the blades are probably my favorite set of speakers I've ever heard, and probably one of the coolest set that I've ever seen. Um. And where else? Uh, The Netherlands. We went through um, Dutch and Dutch,
0: Dutch and Dutch. Yep, yep. The active speakers. That's right. Crystal Cable Siltek in the Netherlands. Yeah, and then we're going away at the end of the March. End of the not the March. And of March to um, monitor audio. I don't think you were you with us at Monitor Audio when yeah. we went there. Yeah, you yeah, went to yeah. Monitor. So this is your second time to Monitor Audio. Then we're going to Vivid Audio, and yep. then we're going back to Crystal Cable and Celtec in the Netherlands. So we're going to do the UK, and we're
1: going to do Netherlands in one trip. Yeah, that's going to be awesome. I think Monitor Audio is another one of the big ones for me. Uh, seeing the amount of design work uh, that they do. Um, in their office they basically had that entire second building that was their design team uh kind of creating the new products and doing all that i thought that was really cool so yeah here's well, maybe two or three
0: reasons Jordan was brought on to do this. One, he has experience with audio. The places he'd been, I I would say you've been to more places than many reviewers have, and you have more insight into that, but you also ask a lot of questions. And I know Dennis, as producer, kind of interviewed you, and he kind of, he asked the right questions. He asked this and that when I talk about amplifiers and whatnot. So, you're the right guy to do this because I'm not going to be leading this. In fact, I'm not going to be in the next episode. It's going to be you with someone else. Maybe Jeffrey Morrison on traveling with headphones to follow yep. up on an article he wrote on Soundstage Solo. But you ask the right questions. You have insight. And this is the thing about our video team. The video guys were not audiophiles starting this out, but no. they got <laughs> into it. So they don't just go there. They get into it. And you hang out with the companies and you do all
1: kinds of things, Right absolutely yeah um i think pretty funny like my background in consumer electronics like going through university i used to work for best buy and then uh, after that i worked for the corporate side of apple and and startups and all that Uh, but like back in the day my idea of what hi-fi was um, was was frankly bose because that was like the highest end the most expensive stuff that you could buy at uh at best buy but to be honest like i i didn't know any better um, Bose for, makes excellent headphones and well, earphones excellent they really do well uh, and the, the act of noise cancelling is still to my understanding like one of the best if not the best out there
0: yeah yeah yeah
1: fantastic headphones audiophiles oh. tend not to
0: like the speakers yeah. and people think that that Bose makes the best speakers in the world and that's kind of what gets most audiophiles I think
1: well I think that is a, a byproduct of just how good their marketing is and it's outstanding yeah, and their visibility. Like they're in these shops, they're in the conversation. Um, whereas a lot of these companies, I didn't even know they existed until either you told me we were going to interview them, or in passing, I've asked you something about like who does this, and you're like, Oh, this company here does that certain thing. Um, and so this Post is another definitely one. has sorry, this go this is for another it. reason. This is another reason we brought you on because you have insight like this,
0: because you're young-ish and people are always talking about Getting young people into audio and you and Chris, Chris, who leads the video team, are younger than most audiophiles. And you guys have a lot of insight. And one of the first things Chris said to me on a video shoot was these companies are really cool, but nobody knows who they are. Yeah, None of these 100%. names and this is branding and, and you've got good awareness on branding and that sort of thing. You guys both worked at Best Buy at a time in your life and you're aware of brands that are out there. And this is a pet peeve of mine. Most hi-fi companies
1: don't brand well at all. No, 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 not at all. And it, it's kind of interesting. Uh, you say that because like literally my, my world of hi-fi was Bose. Um, and, and to a degree, like uh, growing up my, um, My dad had uh, like a a record player and uh, integrated amp and all that. And it was Technics, right? Yeah, Technics is excellent. Yeah. So um, like that was my understanding and and I I didn't see past that. Um, But then you go to some of these companies or you start learning about some of these companies and you're like, you guys have amazing stories. You have like really good products. But for whatever reason, uh, and I have some thoughts on on why it's not working but it's not getting out to the mass audience that's something i wanted to ask you what are your thoughts and what you've seen so far kind of from the
0: outside coming in
1: um yeah outside coming in i i think how can i put this so when i think of hi-fi um hi-fi high fidelity right um nowadays pretty much everything is high fidelity to some degree right like the least or the lowest quality of speakers and headphones today is probably and correct me here but like it's probably on par with like a mid-range set of speakers or headphones from 20 30 40 years ago
0: yeah from what i see okay you can still buy crap today yes, utter crap 100 but, but but the inexpensive products they know so much about designing speakers, you get speakers for a couple hundred bucks, even headphones like the AKG K three seventy ones that are one hundred and fifty dollars, and stuff priced yeah. even lower can be designed exceptionally well because they know a lot. Yes, so a lot has come up just through knowledge and experience. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So in the the seventies, eighties, whatever, like when people were producing like absolute garbage and selling absolute garbage. Well, hi-fi made sense. There was that distinction. There was the the kefs. There was um the the people out there that were like uh producing high quality stuff to give that really high fidelity sound. Nowadays, um the barrier to entry is much lower. So then it's kind of this question of like why why hi-fi? Like, why would I spend uh thirty thousand dollars on a speaker system? And there is the idea of the function. So, to like listen to music, listen to all these things. And then there's the idea of the experience. So, I do that because when I'm doing it and when I have this particular $30,000 system, uh, I have a great experience. I have these great feelings. I have these emotions that come through that I don't have when I'm listening to my, uh, I don't know, beats pill or whatever wireless systems are out there these days (laughs) and those are crap i'll just say those those little things they're
0: utter crap you know they are junk that i at
1: least know but you know you brought up
0: an excellent point and this has been a pet peeve of mine i'm pretty active on social media but a thirty thousand dollar system or a thirty thousand dollar product and and something that almost all companies not all but almost all are horrendous at is explaining to the consumer why this is $30,000. That's a lot of money. They just throw it out there like, oh, here's a $30,000 amplifier. Isn't it nice? Maybe you want to explain why it's 30 grand. That's a lot of money.
1: Well, like I, I think about that and I think about, um, like let's go Ferrari, right? Like Ferrari, premium product, amazing cars, uh, the entry Ferrari is like what two hundred thousand dollars? I have no idea because I'm not into cars really. I drive a Honda CRV. There you go. Uh, that being said, you know Ferrari. You know the brand. Yes, everybody knows it. Bugatti, everyone knows it. Now, Porsche. not everyone's buying Ferraris. Yeah, not everyone can tell you the benefits of the Ferrari, but it has that kind of brand awareness, and it's tied to that experience of like, well, driving a Ferrari, you probably have this great experience. Um, so I, I don't see any hi-fi companies really going down that route of truly selling the experience, but also offering something that gets people into their brand. So if we think about Ferrari, not everyone's driving Ferraris, but people are buying Ferrari shirts. Yeah. They're a key aspiring change. to it. Yeah, exactly. So they're aspiring to this, this experience, this function. Um. A lot of hi-fi brands that I'm seeing, the entry point to their product is in the, let's say, I don't know, $10,000 range. Now, why is that worth that extra amount of money compared to a similar product that's in the, the hundreds of dollars price range? Yeah. So to get somebody in there, they have to commit to spending, let's say, I don't know, $5,000 that first time to get them into a brand. And then from that, if your lowest price on the brand is 5,000 and you go up to like a $30,000 amp or something like that, um, once you're in the brand, you'll probably notice some of the differences. You'll probably have pet peeves on your product and you want the little bit better sound here or the little bit uh, better experience there and you can kind of move up. I just don't see a lot of brands doing a great job at introducing people to hi-fi, explaining why uh why it's better why the experience will be better and then offering people kind of that gateway product to get them going with that brand right now
0: yeah so let's let me pose this question i'm kind of well we'll see your response and i kind of know but okay you're into it now for a few years you're kind of a little more experienced but if somebody came to you and you've had a good job for many years you can afford stuff but say oh i want to get into hi-fi doug okay you ready to drop
1: thirty thousand? what would have you thought 30,000 bucks for a system. Yeah.
0: What, 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 what would it be in your response?
1: Well, so here's the thing. If you ask me, if you ask me like, what can I do for $30,000 like uh, 15 years ago, let's say, or probably more than that, probably like 17 years ago when I was working at Best Buy, I would have brought you over to the Bose system and I would have said you can spend whatever. It's, I, I don't even know. It's like $3,000 at the time for the top of the line Bose system. Um, if you asked me that today, I would say, well, you know what? Probably for like 10, 10 15,000, you can get an unbelievable system that will sound incredible. It'll look awesome and you'll have a really great experience. If oh, you yeah. want, if I'm you want to spend 30, if you want to spend 30, there's stuff out there. I still don't know enough about the, the minute differences to explain to you why um, something like, uh, I don't know, Kef Blade. Uh, yeah, kept blade like actually, you know those blades the, are so cool. They look like it. They look amazing. <laughs> they they look absolutely incredible. And not only that, like that was actually the speaker system when I heard those for the first time. Um, I was floored. I was like, "This is a totally different experience." I had never heard. I think it was Radar Love that they put on because that's yeah. my my driving. Song. Could have been yeah. And I was like, "This is like unbelievable." And- the Kef,
0: the Kef blade's a bad example because that's a speaker that looks amazing, and anybody yeah. who sees it goes, "Oh wow, that yeah. thing must cost a lot." Okay, so you see a you see a box speaker.
1: Okay. Yeah, actually, Kef's a great example of a company, right? So. You have the Kef Blades. That is the speaker system that I me don't personally but pretend. I Yeah, yeah. I, I had a pair for review Blade 2s, actually, but oh. I don't have them yet. Yeah. Right. But like that is a, syst- a system, a speaker set that I aspire to own personally. Like one day when I win the lottery or I don't know, uh, and the next who knows, making big, big money. Yeah. Uh, blades are a system that I aspire to. Well, that was a genius
0: product. I, I it, it originated, I don't know if you know this history, but I'm trying to think if it was 2012, they showed something called the Concept Blade. And it was all carbon fiber. And they said, oh, they, they showed it in Munich. And they said, this isn't a real product. We're just kind of showing it. It was c- to kind of test it, right? Yeah. And everybody went, oh, wow, that's amazing. And I think people thought it would be about $90,000 per pair at the time if it came out, but nobody was anticipating it. But then Two years later, I believe they came out with the blade, made it out of a composite cabinet, was down to about $30,000 or so. And everybody just went, that is the coolest thing. Like they're, that, they're they, awesome. they hit it out of the park with that one because it's a genius design. It just looks different. Yeah. And it, it looks like its name. It looks like a knife blade, right? It's just cool. You want that in like a,
1: a really nice condo. And then it sounds fantastic. I don't think I have the ears of a reviewer at this point in my life to be able to say, like, You're lucky. You're lucky because most reviewers are over 70 and they don't have (laughs) your ears. Okay. They
0: think they do. Ah, there you go. (laughs) They think they do. You're lucky you don't have the, the ears of most reviewers. That's another pet peeve of mine that I put on. And when all these 70 year old reviewers are talking about it, the feathery highs and stuff, I'm thinking, Come on, I'm almost 60. You can't hear that. I'm doing everything I am to protect my hearing. So
1: you're lucky you don't have the ears of a reviewer. (laughs) That that is fair. Maybe I should say the taste of the reviewer. Oh, yeah. I I don't know enough about um I my ears are not trained. Let's say that. I might have a little bit more uh frequency. That's a different thing. Yeah. Trained listening is a different thing. Okay. There we go. Yeah. And so I couldn't tell you, like, I, I believe when we were at Kef, they, they put on the Muon, the, yeah. the really, really big one, um, looked like, I mean, that looks awesome as yeah, well. Like yeah. they, they yeah, really, yeah. uh, nailed the Big chrome
0: the, thing, big chrome thing. Yeah, 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 they, yeah, yeah. They
1: nailed the industrial design, but me personally, I wouldn't be able to tell you, uh, the listening experience differences between those two. The blades for me were like lights out incredible. Um, the Muon sounded great, like, don't get me wrong, uh, but I didn't have that kind of leap in quality in my mind listening to that relative to listening to the voice. Right, points. and this, this comes with experience. It's like you with video stuff. You know, people look at cameras and stuff like that. They can't tell if they're not
0: familiar, but then you start using it. You start listening here, listening there, and you say, okay, I hear this, that, more I don't, or whatever, or this is better. So that's more an experience thing.
1: Yeah, that's it. Now, going back there, so Kef Blades. Blades are what I aspire to, to own. This is gonna be the blade episode. It's gone <laughs> that way. Yeah. Free press for uh for <laughs> kef there. Um but that's what I aspire to own. But realistically, um listening to the LS50s. Yeah, the little LS 50s. Yeah. The LS 50s, those are the speakers that I'm I'm probably gonna buy in the next couple of years. Yeah. Right? Like um, they are also really good. They they look great. My wife doesn't hate the design. And I think I have enough space to actually fit them somewhere because they're not massive.
0: You know, you know what's interesting? There's a theme here. And and Kef's not the only company, but it is one of the great hi fi companies right now doing things right. When you look at the LS50, I don't know what the price is today, but I'm thinking $1,500 per pair in the United
1: States. Yeah, something like that,
0: $1,300. Yeah, people can buy that.
1: And it looks accessible.
0: It's accessible and it looks cool. It looks like you've bought something cool. It's yeah. got the Uniq driver. It comes in different colors. They got the active version for more now. Yeah, It's fantastic. But KEF, I think, is one of the few companies that really understands that whole industrial design, pricing, performance. They got it all together.
1: Yeah. And to take that one step further, so LS50s, I very am likely to buy those in the next, I don't know, a couple of years. Uh, Once my kids, I I trust them not to like (laughs) poke their fingers and anything. Uh, And they might. Yeah, they they might. Exactly. So I'll I'll wait for that phase to pass. Um, But at the time, they had also launched their Kef egg. um, Yeah, that little tiny thing. Yeah, little tiny thing. um, So that I bought. Oh, really? Like computer speakers. Yeah. Yeah. And I use those in our living room right now as kind of the the main system uh, for the living room because they're, they're small, they're nice, they sound significantly better than whatever I had previously. Um, some like out of Best Buy kit something or other, I don't, I don't even know, might've been like, nah, probably not Panasonic, maybe like Sony speakers. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know, some junk. Like yeah. they, they, these Kef eggs, they, they sound good. But if I think about that, I didn't know that Kef was a thing until, I don't know, like a couple months before we went there. Yeah. So even Kef doing a great job could get their name more out there. For sure. B&W also do really good jobs of this. Yeah. Like they they have a broad enough oh, uh, it's product. It's not B&W.
0: It's Bowers and Wilkins. They're Bowers all, and Wilkins. It, Sorry. always telling us. They're correcting. We're
1: not B&W anymore. We're Bowers and Wilkins. Bowers and Wilkins. Bang and Olsen. I always mix those two up as well because they're so close. Um, both of them have enough of a product range and enough of a mainstream kind of presence that you can get in with a set of Bauer and Wilkins headphones for what, like 300, 400 bucks. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And then you could work up from there. And they still, to my understanding, sell like $15,000 systems and all of oh, this. Oh, and more and more. They got the Nautilus that uh, uh, oh, Lawrence, Lawrence Dickey design, yeah. designed.
0: Yeah. And they got the 801s up at about 30000 $35,000 per pair. Yeah, yeah. No, they, they, got the, they got the full range. That's another company there. And um, you weren't on that trip. We were there with Jeremy and Chris. We went there in yes. November to Bowers. And I was kind of blown away in England that they're yeah, making but- it all there.
1: Lawrence Dickey isn't there anymore, right? No,
0: no. Lawrence Dickey is down the road in Brighton. And okay. we're going to be visiting Lawrence. He, um, he designed the Nautilus. And a few years later in the 90s, he left to get yeah. into Pro Audio. And actually then a few years after that, he founded Vivid Audio with Philip Gutentag. And so it, Vivid Audio is still his thing to kind of progress the Nautilus ideas.
1: So I, I was very fortunate. Uh, Lawrence Dickey was another person that I asked a lot of um, uneducated, unknowing. Naive questions too, uh, at that CS that we went to. I actually filmed him doing a presentation. I think it was for Mola Mola, Mola Mola. Yeah, it was. They were in the same room. I think. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe that's what it was. Anyways, yep. incredibly smart guy and like yeah. some really really cool stuff. That's another eye opening experience for me where it's like, oh, like this is audio. And those speakers, by the way, are the coolest. The Vivids, yeah, yeah. the Gias and stuff oh, like that. Yeah, yeah. God, they look awesome. And, you
0: know, and and, and so. <laughs> Even the best of these companies, I think people could know more about. That's really the thing. And that's one of the reasons we travel and do these videos is yeah. to kind of create these videos. But I think the companies themselves could do more. That's a <laughs> that's a pet peeve I have. Too many companies assume you know their products, but to get your product known today is really
1: hard. Well, and I think there's a couple levels there. There's this idea of like, you need your products known by the mainstream audience. So... For somebody that's outside of the audio industry, I will never, I like, I, I didn't know, and I don't think I could ever know all the different audio companies that are out there, but the more that I'm exposed to them, the more I might be interested, the more I might tag on to a brand and then kind of throughout my life, as I get more disposable income, as the kids grow up, be tied to that particular product or that particular uh, company's products. so I think that's that's one of those things where I still don't see a whole lot of audio companies doing that. And and uh for everyone out there, uh we had no idea we were
0: talking about kef today. Yeah. I didn't know <laughs> I did not know kef <laughs> was gonna come up. But obviously, kef had an impact on you. Oh the my god. Yeah, and that, that's, that's, that's interesting. I'm gonna I'm gonna write to Jack. I'm gonna write to Stephanie, who's with KEF, and say, hey. Did you know you had this impact on this guy? Because it's it's probably a testament that they're doing something right.
1: Yeah. So at this point, I think I've fanboyed over enough companies and uh, enough different speaker systems. Um, Doug, do you want to just take a little break and listen to some of the music that we have in our new PMC audio? Or which, is it an insight? Yeah, what it's is an insight.
0: And in the past, this is kind of a difference. Now, before we used Music, I think that Brent primarily played on or with with somebody else, but Brent's gone. So we're going to put a little bit of the royalty free music that's in the new PMC 25i series insight video. But I personally pick these because the music that goes in those videos is important to the way the whole video flows.
1: Let's do that. Awesome. So. Uh, We'll segue into that. And then after the little break, we'll jump in and uh, talk about the Florida Audio Expo and the, the coverage you got there. Now we're back from the break. Uh, a little bit of music to kind of lighten the mood uh, and give you some time to reflect on the last little segment there. Um, Doug. Yep. Florida Audio Expo. Florida International Audio Expo.
0: As of this year, it was Florida Audio Expo in 2019. When it started 2020, 2021, it was canceled due to COVID. 2022, it came back. And now 2023, it is officially Florida International Audio Expo.
1: Awesome. So- The Florida International Audio Expo, um, we haven't really had a chance to catch up. That being said, you did mention that there was three speaker systems uh, or speakers or products. I'll I'll kind of leave it more broad that were really interesting to you um, in your visit there. Yeah,
0: so Florida International Audio Expo is held in Tampa. And this isn't a huge show. It's a small show, but it's no longer regional. They're attracting an international audience. and. Florida in February is killer for weather. And that's kind of one of the reasons it got itself established and people like going there. But now it's attracting more and more companies to exhibit there. They have a good local and international flavor for what goes on there. And Hans Wetzel was with me and we did a show report in. Um, you can find on Soundstage Global that shows all the coverage. And from that, we select what we call the best of Florida International Audio Expo 2023. We do this after most shows. We select the best. And there were three speakers and kind of one speaker system, and I'll I'll tell you how that gets differentiated, that were picked as the best products there. And it just happened to be that they were all speakers. Sometimes we do electronics, turntables, whatever. But it was three speakers that really stood out. Okay. What are they? Let's hear it. Let's, <laughs> the first one, it's a really tiny company in Tampa called Soundfield Audio. And I think you would really like this. Oh, yeah. It's called the Obelisk T710 speaker system. And it's a speaker system because it's only sold in pairs. It's active. Okay. It has built in amplification, analog and digital inputs. It's all kind of in the boxes. Okay, Okay, you can't just buy one speaker, you have to buy it as a system and then you just give it a digital source. And it's this Hans described it as a fully active variable directivity loudspeaker system sold as a pair comprising a primary speaker and a secondary speaker. And then in my report, I said that or in my best of thing, it has five drivers on the front baffle or a. Planar magnetic tweeter, which is kind of a flat tweeter, a CAS coaxial driver. So that's a, a tweeter in a mid-range. Okay. And on the on the rear of the panel is a wideband three-inch driver. Wideband meaning it covers the whole frequency range. And then it has a seven-inch woofer near the bottom of the cabinet and a 10-inch woofer under the cabinet.
1: Okay. And now, I just what is the variable? What was it? Variable, variable directivity. I just realized. Variable directivity. What is variable directivity? What does that mean?
0: It has actually six drivers because it's a coaxial driver that has a tweeter and a thing. So uh, we might we might have to revisit that. But what it has is the variable directivity. Good question. It has three modes: narrow, wide, and omni. Ah, uh, and it. as you change the, it, it, it kind of what's right is how it works best in the room. Yeah. And also maybe the music, and also your taste. So the narrow mode tends to make it—it arranges it, it the drivers so that when I say arranges the drivers, um, doesn't move them, but how it uses them for output. So that is more like a traditional loudspeaker. It okay. focuses the energy mostly to the front of the got speakers, it. so it's got a more focused um, um, projection to the front, less to the sides and
1: rear. So it's basically adjusting the amount of output for the different speaker or the the different tweeters or mid-range or whatever based on the mode that you're selecting. Yes,
0: yes, yes. And so the narrow kind of more like traditional speakers, most of the energy directed towards the listener, the wide spreads um, the energy more to the sides, more energy to the sides. You get more reflected sound and then omni. Basically, the speakers radiate more, more or less evenly all around themselves, so you get a very wide and spacious sound. And what will work best is, like I said, listening habits, but also your room. If you have a highly reflective room, maybe the Omni will be too reflective. You'd have to try it. Narrow might be better. If you have a more absorbent room, it might. you'd have to really try it. But you just kind of flick the switches or
1: however you do it on the system, and it changes those modes just on the fly. Interesting. Okay, so um, I guess one thing that I'm always curious about with these speakers is who, who is like that target audience? Like who are the people that would buy those speakers? And do you imagine somebody like buying those speakers and actually changing the settings on the day-to-day? Or would somebody like buy them, set it up once and, and probably never kind of adjust it again? That's a really good question because truth be told, I don't know. And this is kind of when you see
0: a lot of these products, you say, who is going to buy this? Now, I would hope that somebody who buys this kind of gets alerted by my show report and Hans's report kind of says, well, that sounds interesting and I'm serious about this and I'm going to look into it because Soundfield Audio isn't a brand name. And in fact, it's a tiny little company in in Tampa. So it's not going to be, it's not one of the bigger hi-fi brands. So you'd have to go seeking out desiring this particular speaker <laughs> and yeah. what it does. And I would say it's a pretty serious audiophile who would then say, no, this is this is what I want. And they're also trusting their own gut instinct because they're not going to be going off reputation or anything. They're going to be going off, no, I like what this company does. I trust what this company does. So it's going to be a pretty independent-minded audiophile. And will they switch the sounds in their room? It might depend on the music, to be honest. Interesting. What's the price point on these? What's the price oh, point? Oh, yeah, the sound I field? missed that. $15,000 for the pair. 15000 As a system. So this, and this thing, these have the amplifiers built in and all that type of thing. So you really have to give it a digital source. Got it. Or an analog or a turntable, whatever. Um, yep. So you don't have to worry about amplification. So it's it's not cheap, but it's also not exorbitant in hi-fi terms.
1: Yeah. 15 years ago, that price would have like, I would have been shocked. Now I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. Like, I can imagine that. Yes. Um one of the things you said is like, it might not be like, it might be an independent mind audiophile that like, um, takes a chance. On yeah. This. They're basically taking it. Ch- no, I'm not, I'm not
0: saying that's a bad thing, but a, an no, unknown no. company and a kind of peculiar design, they're taking a chance.
1: Yeah. And it's like, how many people would this system be their first, uh, kind of entrance into hi-fi? That's interesting.
0: I would say probably very few because those people who get their first entrance into Hi-Fi are going to go on referral, and most people are going to refer a better-known brand.
1: Got it. So yeah. this might be like a secondary system in somebody's house or like a cottage? Or Oh, no. I
0: think it's going to be the experienced audiophile who's been through a lot says, oh, I, I'm going to take a chance on what this does. Okay. They're going to be seeking a specific sound. I think somebody new to it would be they would be unknown. I don't know.
1: Yeah. Okay. All right, yeah. that's really cool. Um, now
0: the, number two. Number two is an interesting company because have you ever heard of TAD, Technical Audio Devices? TAD. No. Have you ever what, heard of Pioneer? But yes, have you ever Pioneer. heard? Of, yes. Okay, so here's how TAD started, and it's on their website. Technical Audio Devices TAD was originally the name given to a project launched by Tokyo-based Pioneer Electronic Corporation ah, in 1975 to develop high-end speakers for professional use. Interesting. So this basically came out of Pioneer. They're high-end, and they're known for their professional drivers. And we say professional stuff that goes in recording studios. Got it. Really demanding, really exacting, that sort of thing. Now, TAD spun off as its own thing in 2007. Okay? To be a speaker company designed for consumers. You could use them in the studio too. In fact, when I was flying down to Tampa, I was watching an ABBA documentary about where they've been for the last 40 years. And their chief recording engineer who they've trusted There he was with a pair of TAD speakers at his mixing console. Oh, okay. Yeah, which is really cool. So it's kind of, um, they're established in the pro world, but they haven't really been entrenched in the hi-fi world, I think, in North America from poor representation in North America. They haven't had great distributors. They haven't had this. But now there's a a Massachusetts-based company I (laughs) have called, we'll just leave it at that, down in the U.S., Pro Audio Design. A company that makes professional loudspeakers with TAD drivers, but also designs studios and does acoustics and all that type of thing, has taken on the TAD brand in North America with an effort to distribute it in the pro and hi-fi circles. So this is a pretty well-established company. So they got money behind them, and they're promising to make TAD finally a thing in North America. And it's headed by Dave Malik Poor. I think that's how you pronounce it. He's the president of this. And I talked to him at length. But the speaker in particular is called the Reference 1TX. It's a stand-mount okay. speaker, not cheap. $32,500 per pair without stands, $35,000 with, per pair with dedicated stands, but it's got TAD's proprietary coaxial driver. That's where the tweeter goes inside the mid-range. A woofer. It's a super, super high-end stand-mounted speaker. And Hans Wetzel wrote about them and loved the sound. Of Very cool. It. And it's, you can ask me who's going to buy this? Yep, 100%. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> Is it going to be the s-
1: at-home recording artist?
0: Unlike, uh, well, could be, it could be if they, if they got the money. Um, TAD, I'm, I'm saying it hasn't had great representation in the United States, particular in, in North America as a whole. Canada is a much smaller market. But it, it is a name that people know and respect. It's this Japanese company. People have known it since, you know. The Pioneer Days is making really, really high-end products. So you could get a recommendation. So if, if somebody with a lot of money, you know, $35,000 for spe- small speakers, small-ish on stands is a lot of money, goes to a friend and says, hey, I'm looking at these TAD speakers. Oh, yeah, I've heard of TAD and they have the money and that sort of thing. It, it could get into that kind of person's home if they're not an audiophile already. And for serious audiophiles who want perhaps the best stand-mounted speaker, this could be one of them. I'm not gonna say an oh, it's cool. it, but I mean somebody who just says, you know what, this is this is a an amazing speaker. I'm gonna buy a pair of these. So it's it's got a potential market. Obviously, though somebody has to have money, and it's not, you need your amplifiers and source and all that sort of thing. It's a passive design, but it's a it. it's an it's an evolution from the original CE1, which was successful for them, and now it's called the CE1 TX. And Sold globally, but with better distribution um, in North America, we could
1: be seeing some on this side. That's very interesting. I'm I'm legitimately just looking up the 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 speakers right now, and they look really nice in this like cherry wood kind of. Yeah, yeah,
0: and they've got those sides actually. You know, a port on a loudspeaker. Um, Vents the base to increase the base. The vents are actually on the side. You're probably seeing side panels on the speaker, yeah. and they actually come out a little bit. And the vents are on the side. They vent front and rear. It's a very, very cool design. Coaxial mid-range tweeter and that woofer on front. It's a very, it's, it's a, and it's beautifully built. It's, I'm going to say, worth its money. You don't kind of oh, look at you. it and say, why does that cost thirty five thousand dollars? You
1: see it and you go, wow, that that must cost a lot. You, you feel the the build quality. Yeah. And then the last one, wrapping it up. Another passive speaker. And by passive, I mean you
0: need amplification. The Falcon Acoustics M10. Now, who is Falcon Acoustics? Started in the 70s by a person named Malcolm Jones. And you'll like this. Malcolm Jones's claim to fame as he was Kef's first employee. He wasn't the founder. Oh, yeah. He was Kef's first employee in the 60s. And I guess he was responsible for many of Kef's Drive unit designs back in the early era. Okay, he became a legend. Then in 1972, he founded Falcon Acoustics. Now in 2009, he retired and uh, sold it to a friend of his named Jerry Bloomfield, who still runs the company under Falcon Acoustics' original mandate. And what a, a lot of Falcon Acoustics, what they did was recreate a lot of the Kef drivers. Okay, There's oh, a legendary one called the B110 that was used in this famous speaker designed by the BBC called the LS35A. It's this little five-inch mid-range woofer, um, polypropylene cone. They've made that for years. They've made all kinds of kef parts and parts for loudspeakers. And I think about eight years ago, they got into making their own full loudspeaker systems. In fact, this is way be- before your time, they made a replica of the BBC LS35A. And what happened in, in, in the 70s was the BBC came out with these speaker designs for their own use yeah. in studio. But then they allowed companies license to design and companies would build them. And sell that, them. That's as how the own. LS50 got built, right? Well, it had a heritage from the LS35A. That was kind of the tie-in, and the okay. original LS35A used the KEF 110 driver. Got okay. it. Okay, so there's there's that tie-in, and many companies that came out with LS35As. But what Falcon Acoustics did a few years ago was build the most authentic replica to the spec. Possible. The exact wood, the exact drivers, the exact everything that the BBC spec'd out. They, they came out with their own version of the 3 LS35A, and it's pretty fantastic. But the M10 is their own design, a little two-way speaker with a one-inch tweeter, their B110 driver, their own KEF-designed, Falcon Acoustics-made, B110 driver. And it's this little speaker for $2,295 per pair, so $2,300 per pair. Yeah that has a really big sound. You hear them and it's kind of that little tiny speaker that you go, is there a subwoofer playing?
1: Because they have this
0: ballsy bassy sound. Now they need a little bit of amplifier power behind them, but they're the ideal and a small speaker and they got a retro look. They got that UK hi-fi look for a small to medium sized room, some condo type apartment, small room somewhere. Fantastic little speaker, and I heard it in Florida, and I also heard it previously in Warsaw when I was at that audio show in November. And I said, you know, this is a really, really, really good speaker. I'm going to put it as one of the best at Tampa, because it was.
1: Interesting. And, and they I also that, have a nice little rosewood look yeah, to yeah, it. Yeah, a couple or a hundred dollars
0: more. You can get the rosewood version. And you can see, if you're looking at it right now, you can see yeah.
1: it's um,
0: it's got the retro vibe. Yeah, 100%. But it's a, but it's a modern speaker, Under unlike the... LS35A, which is a replica of the uh, BBC design, designed to spec. This is their own design as Got a it. two-way speaker. So it it wasn't created in the 70s and made now. It's designed now and it's their latest speaker and a very good speaker.
1: Oh, that looks awesome. All right. Well, with that, uh, we covered quite a lot today. Um, was there anything else that you wanted to touch on? Not really. I just want to reiterate what I said at the beginning. You're taking over this podcast
0: in the sense of you're going to be on with somebody. I'm not going to be back. Maybe I will be at some episode, but it's going to be primarily you. And what I want you to do is ask the tough questions. I know we say that, but I want you to really dive deep. I want you to explore. But what I want to do, and I think it'll be interesting for people to have, like I said, you're young, you've got some experience in hi-fi quite a bit. Actually, like I said, you've been to more hi-fi companies than most reviewers have, but you have an inquisitive way about you. In other words, you dig deep, you ask the questions and you ask the right
1: questions. So that's what I wanna see for this season. Awesome. Well, I will do my best and uh, we'd love to have you back on. I'd love to have you back on uh, to kind of teach me more or anything else that uh, that we wanna talk about. Um, I'm yep. getting the new
0: Samsung S23 just so you know, 200 oh, megapixel yeah. camera. Yeah, you'll see it on the next trip. You'll be jealous.
1: <laughs> envious, I, I should say. Uh, I I certainly will be envious of the extra megapixels that's for sure. <laughs> I'm always learning. I, I you know what? This is kind of an
0: audiophile thing. Look up the look up the uh, we'll talk about this next time. Look up the definitions of envy and jealousy. Okay? Yeah. And then listen to Jesse's Girl by Rick Springfield. It's the perfect way to teach the meaning of the two words. We'll talk about that next time.
1: <laughs> that's awesome. So that's my homework uh, until the next podcast. And uh, we don't know exactly who is going to be on. I think um, Jeff Morrison. Jeff Morrison. Okay. So we do know who's going to be on. And uh, yeah, until next time, stay Carry it safe. Carry on. Carry yeah. on the tradition
0: that Brent and Dennis and I just want to finish off with that. They did an amazing job getting this podcast going. They did beyond my expectations. So, hey, now you got, you know, big things to live up to.
1: Yeah. Not putting you on the spot or anything. (laughs) Big shoes to fill. And I am very thankful. uh, Dennis is still kicking around and is uh, helping me out behind the scenes to make sure that uh, I have all the confidence I need and, and everything that's needed to get this going. So until next time, stay safe, everyone, and talk to you later. Thanks, Jordan.